Good afternoon, everyone. It is March. Yes, March. And we know what March is about. We got to be careful. We got to be careful in the month of March. And we're coming from the ATL in Georgia, where you definitely have to be careful in March here and in, in the ATL. Those of you who live in the ATL, you understand what I mean. All right. But this is England is burning for March 1st, 2021 on a Monday. Earlier today, we got Mark from the Barmy Army coming in. He gave us some brilliant takes on some news that was coming out of Manchester United and looking ahead at their fixtures against Aston Villa and against Arsenal coming up in the next couple of weeks and so forth. Brilliant take. Go back, watch it, enjoy it, drink to it, whatever you want to do with it. Also, y'all. I need your help. I really do need your help, y'all. This podcast, this video cast has grown exponentially in the last two or three months. And that's thanks to every one of you. I really appreciate everything that you've done, everything that our contributors have done and so forth. But I want you to do one more thing for me, a couple more things. If you like this video, smash a like button on the video. If you are listening to the podcast on Apple, give us a review preferably five stars, preferably. Give us a review, talk about it, and more importantly, share. Word of mouth has gotten this podcast where it is, and word of mouth will make it grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Share with your friends. If you like what you hear, you like what you see, then share with your friends that might be interested in the FAWSL out there, wherever you are. Please do that, and I'll be very much thankful to you. We are a small budget operation. You want you you would cry if you saw our advertising budget. You would cry. You would go to bed and you would cry because it is that small. But word of mouth, that's what I need. Back with us today, we are at the Manchester City Women Weekly Feature for this week. We have brought back with us Emma from Manchester City Women Fancast again to break down the match yesterday between Manchester City and Birmingham at St. George's Park. We're going to talk about St. George's Park in a minute, what that was about. But Emma, thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. Hope you're okay. Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. You? Yeah, good. Looking forward to getting stuck into this. All right, let's get stuck <laughs> into this. Let's get stuck into this. Okay, I, I got to go. You know what? I, I used to be famous on the podcast, Emma, and on the video cast for going on a rant to start the show. And I, 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 I'm sorry. I've kind of held back. I've held back recently, but now I can't hold back. I can't hold back. Why? Why can't I not hold back on this? Is because yesterday I tuned in. I tuned in at the appropriate hour, 9 a.m. here in, in the ATL, to a game between Birmingham and Manchester City, played at St. George's Park. Now, I'm, I'm not from UK. I don't know where St. George's Park is. But my understanding is, is that that is essentially a neutral site. And I was told by the wonderful TV commentators that Birmingham couldn't play any home games there because their pitch was not suitable for play. Now, this is something that has happened on a regular occasion where Birmingham, now remember, y'all, Birmingham is in the FAWSL. They're in the first top flight of women's football in the UK, uh, England, and they don't have a playable pitch. That is completely unacceptable, totally unacceptable. Emma, what do you think about Birmingham not having a, a suitable pitch on a regular occasion for, for FAWSL matches? Well, I think obviously it's been highlighted uh, a lot over, you know, social media. It's been brought up by fans in the past, you know, frustrations of obviously Birmingham's postponements that have, you know, been cropping up over the last couple of months. Um, unfortunately, it, it is something out of their hands. It is, Obviously, this great British weather that we do have that obviously is a huge contributing factor to this to this situation at Birmingham at Solihull Moors. Um, it's a pitch that holds a lot of surface water, um, which makes the pitch unplayable. Um, now, I think it's a shared pitch with uh, Solihull Moors, and I believe that they've played on it uh, recently, quite recently. I think they had a fixture against Torquay, and then after the Torquay game, there was obviously the postponement. So if I'm right, I think. But yeah, I think 
obviously, rightly, you know, the FA has obviously come into review to the situation and and kind of held them accountable a little bit for the the conditions and the and the surface that obviously they're playing on. Um, but according to Kyle Ward in the post mess in the post match press conference, it was more down to the fact that they just wanted the game to go ahead so that scheduling wouldn't become such an issue um, for them in terms of the backlog um, as scheduling becomes, you know, even more tighter with, you know, Champions League coming into play and, and one thing and another. So I think they just wanted to get the game played. You know, ultimately all the teams want to get their games played, but it does seem frustrating where it looks as though it's favoured perhaps Man City in the fact that obviously Birmingham have already dealt with sort of performance, but, you know, it seems that they've gone out of their way to ensure that this game goes ahead, which isn't necessarily showing that consistency, but it does ensure, show that hopefully moving forward now, um, they're going to try and eradicate this situation from happening again. And I'm glad to hear that because I think it is unacceptable to have such inequality amongst women's teams and such an inequality between men's and women's teams across the board. And I think that's that's what plays into it as well. The match was then, you know, I'm very happy that the match went on. I'm very happy that they went ahead and played the match was very, you know, uh, I thought that was good that that because it would have been a bigger mess had there not been a match for everyone involved. Uh, however, and I have to be selfish. I'm an American viewer. We see a match at St. George's Park. And it's daytime. It's 2, what, 2, two o'clock in the afternoon. The sun is basically setting. Uh, and the way that facility is set up, the TV watching um, experience for, for me was just was really a difficult watch. Uh, it was just really difficult, the glare, yeah. the sunlight. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for the players because at one half, City had to play right into the sun, you know, and then they, they had, luckily got to switch sides. Um, and I wonder if that actually affected the play uh, at all because you're playing right into the sun. And it was just a very difficult watch. Was it, What was your experience like watching it on your side? I mean, for me, it's quite funny, really, because in terms of obviously the conditions in recent games, you know, we've had, you know, we've had bitter cold, we've had freezing cold, (laughs) rain, snow, we've had it all. So a bit of sun was a a pleasant surprise and probably a welcome one, perhaps by the players. But I think in terms of obviously watching the game itself as spectators at home, very difficult watch, I think. We've kind of seen elements of it. I think I don't think St George's Park is really set up for, you know, for broadcast venue or anywhere where games usually are known for being broadcast because it is obviously a training facility. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm grateful that you know even even though the the quality wasn't there, I was grateful that we were still able to watch it given mm-hmm. obviously the the game being moved uh, at really short notice. Uh, so the fact that we were still able to watch it in some capacity was better than nothing. So I'll take that to mm-hmm. be fair. But I think, yeah, I think the, the setup, the way it is, it seemed like there was only one sort of camera which sort of panned left to right. And then when they scored, you just sort of, at the only time they ever zoomed in was when they were zooming in on the celebration. Right, <laughs> and that yeah. was it. And that was the only time you really got to see anything. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've got really rubbish eyesight as it is. So <laughs> so I really struggled. Um, I, you know, when there was a goal, I was like, is that a goal? Is it in? Um, and then sort of trying to work out who scored it. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. But we got there in the end, like, uh, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, I, I think more for Birmingham, really, because for us, it's just a one-off game. But I, I'm hoping for Birmingham that, whatever issues are surrounding, um, you know, Solihull Mall, uh, they can source it out and get back to playing at their home stadium. And, and 
I, my understanding is that there's the possibility of at some point in the very near future for fans to be allowed back in the stands again, the way that the, the, the prime minister um, has laid out, you know, possible planning for the, for the next several months with, you know, kind of pulling back some of the COVID restrictions. And so there's the possibility of that. And so I would, it would be a shame that, um, you know, that, that places would not be able to, you know, have fans back at their home fields uh, would be quite a shame. And also, again, I, I think there has to be, I think there has to be some level of requirement where if you, you have the FA, what they, I think they should do, if you get promoted, if you're in the FAWSL, then you should have a playable pitch at all times. And you should have facilities set up just like the men do that you, that you can't have your field just have it so unplayable due to the weather that you can't play on it. So you've got to get heating elements and things like that. I understand that costs money. I do. But here's the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it's not like these, are, these clubs are small fry clubs in the pyramid. We're not talking about fourth division here. We're not talking about the National League. We're talking about clubs that have men's sides that are in the championship, that are in the Premier League, that are in uh, League One, the higher level of the pyramid. There's no reason for them not to be able to have playable pitches for their women's teams. That has to be a requirement. And so the FA probably should step in and say, you know what? You got promoted in the FAWSL. You have exactly one year. You have 365 days to get your pitches in order with heating, whatever's needed to make sure that that it doesn't it gets irrigated doesn't get frozen and so forth because it's unacceptable at the highest level to have such inequality amongst the men's teams and the women's teams and from the top to the bottom you know because the big sides have the heated pitches and the irrigations and whatever it is I don't know enough about ergo anything or argo anything but my point is it's like I know a frozen pitch when I see one um that is just unacceptable. And, and, and Birmingham really needs to sort it out. And the FA needs to sort it out with them uh, and make it a requirement coming in. Uh, you got to sort this thing out. Um, I'm sorry? To be fair to Birmingham, though, they have, to be fair to Birmingham, they have spent and invested a lot of money back into their, to their ground. Uh, Solid mm-hmm. Moors, they've, they've, you know, new stands in, you know, they've, they've, Done a lot of upgrades across the the, the actual uh, stadium itself. So, you know, and it is a nice it is a nice stadium. Um, you know, I've been there quite a few times and okay. never really seen any sort of issues with the pitch itself. So, um, it is just maybe really down to the conditions and the the elements. Obviously, at the mm-hmm. moment, you know, National League uh, is being used for the National League. Um, so. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't understand why it wouldn't necessarily meet the standards because it is it is being used and used across obviously the National mm-hmm. League and the WSL. But right. I, I wouldn't I don't know nothing about requirements and all that kind of stuff. But it does surprise me um, that it, this is a, a, a Birmingham is potentially a place where it fails to meet the regulations mm. for whatever reason. But like Carla Ward said, you know if you know, the weather was quite good heading into Sunday's game. Really, there wasn't any reason why they couldn't have played at Solihull Moors. It was just literally a matter of the FA just wanting to ensure that this game went ahead, mm-hmm. be it if it was that we were going to get wet, the, you know, the weather, the wet weather and the mm-hmm. rain so to ensure that there was no surface war on the pitch. So and- it is something they're going to have to look at the next season. Yeah, but again, you know, at the end of the day, though, we ended up having a match. We ended up having a match at the end of the day, uh, and you know, it it was played, it was played out. And so let's dig into that a little bit further. Enough of enough of me ranting about stuff I have absolutely no control over, uh, including the weather uh, and grass and mud and whatever and water. I you know. You know, can't rant about that too much, but I, I'm I'm glad you set me straight to be you know, to be fair to Birmingham. Uh, don't want them mad at us. Okay, all right. So the match itself. Um, now, I, I jotted down a note, Emma, about this in the first half. The first the first thirty five minutes, it was still at nil nil. 
and I wrote a note and I said, is this rustiness by City coming off the international break? Everyone had been away with their national teams, uh, you know, um, for the, you know, for the majority of the time. Now they're coming back, had limited training time back together again. Is it rustiness as a team to result kind of the the rustiness or sloppiness of the first half, or was it Birmingham was pretty resolute uh, opening the, open the game on defensive side. They, they planned out the low block against city and they played it pretty well for the first 35 minutes. What did you think about how the game started? Um, yeah, just that really, to be honest, I thought Birmingham, it was more Birmingham and the yeah. the way they executed their game plan, to be honest. I think, you know, they played really well. They really wanted to to sort of nullify our attack, I suppose. Um, and it kind of paid off. I think they were really trying to frustrate us and we just had to be a bit more patient, which is frustrating, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're watching a game of football. Right, right. Um, but I think, I think, you know, once the goal did come, I think obviously heading into the break, it was just what we needed uh, just to sort of to get the upper hand, if you like. But um, I think, yeah, Birmingham played really well. I think um, Hannah Hampton, I think she made some fantastic saves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, she was a real key, yeah, real key player for Birmingham. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was probably quite surprised it was just sort of one nil heading into the break but um credit where credit's due I thought Birmingham played really well especially for the first 45 minutes or so yeah and I think at times they really tried to challenge City and jumping into the passing lanes and try to jump and intercept uh you know and then if that didn't seem to work they would just pull back into a low block around the 16 18 yard box area um to really kind of hold you know hold it in and just try to you know, absorb, uh, absorb the pressure. Um, Hampton did a great job when she needed to um, and so forth, which then brings us to the return of Sam Mewis. Now, Sam Mewis did not travel back to the United States uh, to join the USWNT for the She Believes Cup. She has been nursing an injury uh, for a while. So she stayed behind in Manchester to, to um, kind of get better, get well and get back into, into fitness again. And this was her return after several weeks, uh, you know, being uh, being off with the injury. And so this was her game, actually. <laughs> you know, this was her game. She got the first goal, 39th minute, uh, you know, nice, uh, you know, nice cross in. And she got a header. Didn't look like she really needed to jump. <laughs> She's kind of a tall player. <laughs> she didn't look like she needed to jump, but she got a perfect <laughs> header in uh, to yeah. make it 1-0 uh, from Chloe Kelly. Um, how'd you like that goal? Yeah, nice. I think um, it's great to obviously have the hype back in the squad, uh, Tower of Power, as they like to call her. But yeah, right. um, it was fantastic. She, she was. It was a great pass from Kelly and a great connection from Mewis to get the to get the goal. So yeah, really, really happy. It's always great to see a player contribute when. You know, they've been out. I think her last game was Gothenburg, which was the Champions League before yep. she went off for the international break in December. So, yeah, like you said, several weeks away from the squad and 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 back contributing and, and not just one goal, but two as well. Yeah, and you have to give also, I mean, I think you have to give the whole city squad credit also in that patience that you were talking about and not, you know, in, in continuing to look for options. And there's plenty of options for City to, to, to look at in terms of how are we going to break this down. But they remain patient themselves and remain resolute and, and didn't try to force matters too much. And it was just a matter of the way the City plays where they basically try to, you know, they use the passing game to kind of stretch out the defense and to just maneuver the defense just enough for there to be space available to take in the final cross. And that's exactly what happened and Chloe Kelly we've talked about her before one of her strong games is her ability to do just what she did which was create help to create the space with the cross that stretched out the defense just enough and then you have a tall you know tower of power you know in the, in the middle there to be able to head it and and there you go it's one nothing so um you know so it was it really it, it showed some patience on the city squad yeah, 
it definitely showed patience. <laughs> like, I, I think, I think as a fan though, if you're watching the game, it you, you probably might look at it as a bit frustrating. But mm-hmm. I think if you're watching it as a bit of a neutral, I kind of, because I watched it and watched it again because I was so right. frustrated right. with the play I said to you before you started. I right. had to go back to it because I was just getting so frustrated with it. But um, it was, um, you know, that, that build-up play, that fluidity, the possession-based football, you know, with playing with a bit of flair and I and I do find it really enjoyable to watch um you know especially when I'm going back to it because I I enjoy it more for what it is you know Mm -hmm. for the actual game and the 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 way that we're playing um it's been some of the best football that I've I've seen City play in some time Mm -hmm. uh and I you know I don't feel as though this is just a sort of period of time where we're just sort of having a good run I really do feel that we're really starting to find ourselves now and we're really starting to show what we can do and I think people are starting to really recognize and appreciate what there's the type of football that we're starting to play and produce and Emma that is why I'm bringing up the patience thing because teams that are not in a good space mentally physically technically when they're not in a good space they get impatient they become sloppy they try to force situations to happen they and things like that and maybe we saw that a little bit with city earlier in the season you know because they weren't so sure of themselves it wasn't as fluid they were breakdowns in places where they shouldn't be breaking down but now here we are we're at the right part of the season we talked about this last week they're in the right part of the season we got champions league the rest of the end of the league season coming up and all that. This is the right time for that fluidly to come fluidity. Eh, I know how to speak, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. So yeah, fluidity uh, to come together. And this is the city DNA. The city DNA is to play that fluid, you know, possession-based passing possession-based. I mean, they had 71% possession for the game, 800 some odd passes i mean that's the dna and when it works it works very very well particularly when they were the players themselves they seemed so pretty sure of themselves you know they had a lot of confidence out there that that hey we're going to be all right we just play our match and things are going to come together you see but that's the difference you see because i think some people like i saw some comments on twitter and people were saying oh this is this is city of old you know this is city of beginning of the season you know they've got the ball they've got plenty of the ball but they're not creating anything and they're not being clinical and and i didn't see that you know um i i, I don't know what i was watching to be honest i don't know if it was the sun or, <laughs> or it was the camera or whatever it was but I, I genuinely believe that we were playing some really good football. And, and I, I think you said it, it, it goes down to that character of a, of a team showing that patience, you know, and that, that you know, not just, you know, sticking to the game plan, doing the things that they know they can do, controlling the controllables and going on and getting the result. And, and again, it was another convincing win, uh, another clean sheet and, um, you know, another big three points. The, I want to be careful when I say this. <laughs> I want to be really careful uh, because th- there are some people who are new to this game. They're new to watching, uh, you know, these matches. They're new to the w- FAWSL. And some of them may be new to football in general. Um, and I think the thing to understand when you watch Manchester City play, okay, their style of play is not about quick strike throw go straight down the pitch strike quickly like lightning and just long ball it down the down the pitch as far as you can go and strike you know within 10 seconds that's not how city plays that's never really been the dna the dna and that's what makes it so beautiful to watch is the movement is the passing and the movement and what it is it's it's all about setting it up it's all about setting up the strike not just striking it's setting up the strike by passing the ball moving the defense around with the ball with the players in those positions and fluidly moving 
to create space. Then you create space, then you go into the space and then you strike. That's the clinicalness of it. And yeah, you could have 71% possession and but you have to then look and say, okay, well, how many shots did it get out of the out of um, all that possession? I believe the number was like 22. They had 22 shots. Um, I believe 11 of them were on target. I believe that's pretty clinical. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and again, that just goes right back to to Hannah Hampton again because I thought she had a fantastic game and yeah. she really did keep Birmingham in it for the first 45 minutes. I thought. You know, she was fantastic and just shown, again, you know, her quality. And, you know, in terms of the league and the goalkeeping keepers that are, you know, throughout the scenes, they're really sort of standing out. You know, Sandy MacGyver, you yeah. know, Hannah Hampton, again, another one of them, Ellie Roebuck, you know, easily, you know, quality young goalkeepers that have really got a good future ahead of them. I kind of felt bad for Birmingham in the sense that the second and third goal, all right, so the second goal was the second Sam Mewis goal in the second half in the 52nd minute, where Birmingham had actually cleared the ball off the line. They cleared it, but unfortunately, it got cleared to a city player. It just happened to be Sam Mewis who struck the ball in. I mean, you know, oftentimes that ball it was, fun- it was funny. Huh? It was a fun. It was a funny goal because yeah, I think really was. there was a was it was it Steph Horton that striked had yes. a go at goal? Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. and literally everyone had got their their heads up in the air, hands up in the air, like it's gone over the line, ref. Right. It's gone over the line, right. ref. Right. And, and they always say place the whistle, don't they? I think yep. everyone had got their heads in the hand, like can't believe right. like this game is playing on. And Sam Mewis was just like like the only player in the game. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Just playing on. Right. And, and then everyone was like, oh, right, it's gone back in. Right. Okay, fine. I've done that now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in. yeah. And, and I was confused when I initially watched it again, bad TV yeah. angle, because I was like, because all I saw was ball being bounced around, volleyed in the air, you know, it's got, you know, and then people's hands up in the air and then someone hits the ball into the net. And I'm like, well, what just happens? I had it like when I watched the replays of it later, I was like, oh, so that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, she was the only one left. The ball came to her and she just struck it and went in the net. I just, I really kind of felt bad for every, for Birmingham at that point because they really had cleared it off. And, and in most chance, most situations, that ball would have been cleared and people would have had their hands in the air. Um, and, you know, saying that the ball crossed the line. Um, they don't have VAR. Um, so you wouldn't have been able to go back to the video on that. (laughs) Right. So then, so there was that. And then you had the third goal, which it appeared to me, and and we can, we talk about the, the possible injury here, but, uh, you know, Lauren Hound, I doesn't look like she intentionally attempted to score. (laughs) She was, I think she was attempting to cross it into the box and (laughs) it went into the net. Yeah, it looked it looked as though Lucy Bronze was coming in right. on that on that fine corner and just to get the the sort of finish. But yeah, kind of did it for her and didn't need to to find a finish in the end. Uh, yeah, it just found its way into the whistled into the the corner of the net. So yeah, I mean, we'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we'll take. it. But just unfortunate, obviously, she picked up that knock in the um, in the sort of lead up to that goal. Yeah, and uh, was on. Uh, I mean, she was on the ground for a while, um, but then she kept on playing for another twenty minutes, and then was subbed off by uh, Rose Labelle, um, uh, and so forth. As as in the on the Man City website was a taken off for precaution. Um, you know, roughly twenty minutes later, um, but yeah, it did not look intentional. Hopefully, she. I haven't seen any update as far as uh, what the what the injury is. Uh, or anything like that so um, that's something to kind of look out for um, but it, it, uh, like a, she got sort of kicked in the yeah. ankle yeah it looked uh, like an ankle injury yeah like a, an impact sort of injury but they just like you said it was precaution they wasn't worried yeah uh, it was just merely you know we're in a good position so we just wanted to you know not sort of rule out any you know further injury possibly but 
yeah, I think she's okay. She should be available for next week. Well, hopefully this week. Hopefully. Um, and then, and as always, it seems like the last six games, we have we have to end things off with Caroline Weir scoring another goal. <laughs> I mean, it seems like just a pattern where at the end, she gets the final goal <laughs> to seal it all in six goals in the last six games. Yeah. Um, I don't know anyone else in the league uh, who is on fire as she is. Yeah, uh, what's that? Five and five now. <laughs> so I think yeah, it's now really, six and six. really pleased. Uh, and six and six is it six right? And okay. six, yeah. I just think with Caroline so, Weir, um, she scored in the box, and I think Gareth Taylor mm-hmm. was asking a bit more of us to to find a finish in a box. So yeah, I think he'll be happy with that. I think Caroline will be happy with that. And I'm sure his fans were all happy. So yeah, it's it's fantastic to see you know, her coming um, into the forefront of of whatever City do at the moment. She seems to be just excelling to new levels, whole new levels, and it's fantastic to see. And I think that I, I think that also speaks to the, as you were speaking earlier about the rest of the team, you know, having much more confidence, having much more, you know, tangible, you know, collective tying together uh, and, and working together as a team uh, that that Garrett Taylor has been working on for the for the season. It's now beginning to really come together. I think everyone is pretty confident in how what the plan is, where they're going forward. Uh, they're confident in the game plan. They're more comfortable in the game plan and they're finding success. And if I were to give, to be honest, the power rating of, of the top teams, I think, to be honest, I think Chelsea and City are like dead heat to me. I mean, there are two points apart on in the table and they got a match coming up in the, in, coming up in April. But if I, I, I can't say that I can't comfortably say, given the form that city is in right now, I can't comfortably say that they're the second best team. I, I can't, I, I, the, I feel like there's, it's a one, a one B situation. They're mm-hmm. that strong right now. Yeah. I think that makes it really exciting. Yeah, it is. I love nothing more than be able to this season and, uh, you know, find out who is going to top the table. And, and right. the way we're heading and the way we're playing at the moment and the progression that we've seen, um, I feel really, really, really confident right now. We're in a really good position and I, and I, I believe in the team. And I, and I think that's starting to show and that belief is starting to show in that play in the players as well. And in, the play that we're, we're doing on the pitch yeah um and and i think this the elements of this match really kind of bear that out even though it was kind of hard to watch with glaring white kits on a bright yellow ball in the sky that y'all weren't really thinking was still still out there um having to see all that was really hard to watch but it, you. you know yeah it's, <laughs> it's a big yellow ball uh it's bright um but um but even even so, I mean, but you saw, you know, you saw it subjectively, you saw it objectively in the in the numbers and, and how they played. XG of 1.9 and they scored four goals. I mean, so anyone who says that City wasn't clinical in this match wasn't watching this match. Um, it's not, it's really not true. They were very clinical from the passing game to the goals to everything about it, even defensively. They held Birmingham to an XG of 0.1. They had one shot. One shot on goal and one shot on goal. So uh, Roebuck did get a chance to actually save uh, one shot. Uh, their XG was 0.1 and it goes to the to the whole game plan. It's like, we're not going to let you have the ball. And when you do have the ball, we're going to get it back from you. We're going to take away your opportunities um, and so forth. Uh, you had four, no, I'm sorry. You had three players who all had four shot creating actions during the match. You had Ellen White had four. She did not contribute uh, to actually a goal herself, but she had four shot-creating actions. Chloe Kelly, as we spoke about earlier, had four shot-creating actions. Laura uh, Coombs herself, she had four shot-creating actions. They had 31 total for the match. Um, you know, uh, you know. And then you had Alex Greenwood. She had, she had three key passes in the match uh, on 130 touches. Um, so it just was 
a team effort across the board, everyone knowing their role and just playing it out the way the game is played. Yeah. And then uh, on the sort of on to talk a little bit more about the defensive end, uh, you had uh, Laura Coombs and Caroline Weir had eight and seven successful pressures, uh, respectively. Uh, Caroline Weir won three tackles herself. Uh, so all around player. Um, so uh, who was your yeah. player of the match? I thought just one thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I say just on Laura Coombs, like obviously coming in for Kara Walsh and just mm-hmm. sliding into that that role in front of the back four. Um, right. I thought she did really well then because, you know, she'd been out of the squad for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, she's been called upon to do a job and she's come in the squad and done it and done it really well as well, well executed. I think shows, you know, what, what kind of player she is. And I kind of just wish we could see more of her because... Yeah. I don't think those sort of opportunities arrived all that often for Laura Coons, but when she is in the squad, she does do a fantastic job. Yeah, and she certainly did. I mean, eight success, those eight successful pressures, four shot creating actions, uh, really was a part of the part of the match and and so forth. But speaking of having opportunity, and this is something I wanted to ask about. So the next there in the next two weeks, basically next ten days, uh, City played three times. Yeah. Um, so there might be opportunity here, uh, depending on how on, on uh, how Kira Walsh, uh, Walsh comes back um, and so forth. So on Wednesday, you have Champions League with Florentina at the Academy Stadium. Then Sunday, Everton away. Then then you travel Italy for Florentina the following Thursday. So in the course of eight days, three matches. How do you feel about the possible fixture congestion you have Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday? I'm not too worried about it, you know, um, purely because I think when, you know, we've been in this situation before, I think the manager has always spoke about how much the team actually enjoy having those sort of, um, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday sort of games. Um, you know, well, no, it wouldn't it? Wednesday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Wednesday Sunday, it? Thursday. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think players like that intense sort of schedule of games and that rest and recover process. Um, you know, it gives them focus. It, you know, it, it. It's, it's professional um, and yeah, I, I, I really feel we can, you know, really prepare um, and be focused and ready to do the job as well. It, you know, I think, you know, Champions League is really important for the club this season and, um, you know, their ambitions to, to go on and, and have success in this tournament. So I really feel that we, we're going to throw everything at it and, and be as best prepared we can for it. And I think we're going to have to draw on rotation with the squad, with the players. Um, you know, Kira Walsh might be back in the squad. Um, I know Janine Becky was rested. She potentially can come back into the squad. Uh, and obviously uh, with Dal Kemper and, and, and Laval, they were both managing... Um, Obviously, you know, travel uh, and Janine as well included in that managing travel from obviously coming back from the She Believes. So it was great for them to get minutes, but I'm, I'm sure Jean Becky will become involved as well in the next coming uh, sort of games as well. So, yeah, excited to see more of those players that perhaps we've not seen all that much of because I think everyone's got an important role to play. And this is uh, one of those periods where you really need to draw on the depth of the squad. Uh, and I, I can really only think of maybe one other side in the league that has the depth that Manchester City has right now, and that would be Chelsea, who has their own uh, has their own Champions League fixture against Atletico Madrid. Um, now we were kind of Emma, you and I were kind of laughing a little bit before we recorded this, uh, trying to say what do we know about Florentina, uh, the opponents uh, in the Champions League coming up because <laughs> they're playing them twice uh, in the next three games, and all we could come up with 
uh, was the fact that I don't speak Italian. Uh, I don't know Italian. So going on their website was, was uh, you know, uh, was uh, problematic. Uh, what we, what I do know is this. Uh, what I do know is this: is that they are in Syria. <laughs> point one, point two. Currently, they're in fifth place. Um, a little bit off the the pace this time around. However, their run of form in the league has been pretty good, uh, winning the last three out of four uh, in Syria competition. They have one very significant offensive player, uh, Danielle Sabatino. Uh, who has scored 11 goals uh, for them in Serie A competition this season. The next player down in goal contribution for them has two. Um, aside from that, um, the, aside from the fact they play in Italy, um, I don't know much else uh, but that. So we will learn a lot more about Forentina after Wednesday. Uh, to talk about uh, afterwards uh, and so forth. I, no offense, folks. I just don't know Italian. And um, unfortunately, some of the stuff is hard to find. Pity oh, fans will know Tessa Madag. She's obviously gone out to Florentina. Um, mm-hmm. She'll be returning back to the club. And I think she's excited about that possibility of, of obviously being back at the Academy Stadium. Um, she was well loved by a lot of fans. So it's great to welcome her back. I think um, I think we're as as a as a whole, we're just glad it's not Atletico Madrid and that we're playing somebody else in the Champions League. To be fair, so yeah, the, we're not bothered. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is a list of teams that you don't do not want to draw in the round of sixteen. Uh, Atletico is one of them. You know, Barcelona is another. Wolfsburg is another. Bayern Munich is another. PSG is another. Uh, and Leon, of course, is another. Uh, so with the, the obviously the way the both the way the groups have been drawn, because uh, right. obviously there was two parts in there for the draw this time round. So we mm-hmm. sort of eliminated uh, the big teams because obviously we have to play on seeded teams at the moment. So right. yeah, in the next round of the competition, it's certainly going to get interesting. But we're going to get <laughs> we've got to get there first. Right, you got to get there first. And Florentina. Um, the other, the other side, the other fact note is that Fiorentina has never been beyond this round in the Champions League. So they would, if they were to uh, proceed past City, they would have gone. Will go to the next round for the first time in their history. Um, so that's um, that makes it uh, definitely a milestone for them to possibly get past. So, um, but the the. I, I'm not even sure that we can even predict what will happen with Florentina, but we can talk about the next weekend where it is away at Everton. Now, Everton to me, I, you know, Everton, the game I remember is City against Everton in the, in the, the sort of slightly bizarre, you know, uh, FA final uh, that was a carryover from the season previously carried over and they played uh, City played them in the final and won uh, an extra time. Everton, to me, at the time, I thought was a really good squad. I think they are a pretty good squad. What do you think of Everton? Yeah, Everton are a really good squad. I I think, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of optimism around surrounding Everton and what they could do maybe this season. Uh, They've obviously brought in some big name players. Uh, Valerie Govan is fantastic. I love watching her. I think she's brilliant. Um, they obviously got Izzy as well. He's Izzy Christiansen, a former Man City player, so well aware of what she can bring to the squad. And now they've got Jill Scott. I mean, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully she won't be uh, available uh, available for selection for Everton, obviously because you know of obviously the long move. But right. you know she was contribute. She obviously scored the winner in their game against Tottenham last weekend. So. You know, they'll be heading into that game off of the back of a win against uh, Tottenham. So they'll be quite uh, pleased with that. I think it was a good result for them. And uh, yeah, like Everton can can beat any team on their day. So we've got to be, you know, well prepared and respect, respect them as a team. But, you know, we need to obviously, again, be professional and go and get the job done. Because that's what it's all about here and in every game is a must win. And it is, uh, and that's what makes it really fun for fans because every game is a must-win for everybody. Um, and Everton is, 
there are two teams in the FAWSL that if I were a top three or four team, I would not want to play them right now. One of them is Reading and the other one is Everton. Guess what? City have to play both of those teams coming up. Um, and, but Everton <laughs> is first on the list. And, and as far as, you know, people talk about, when they talk about the FAWSL, it's like they, sometimes they'll talk about like the best of the rest. You know, they, they see the top three, the three, four teams up at the top. And then the, who's be- the best out of that. And I think it's a tie between at times, depending on who you ask and at what moment between Reading and Everton. Everton's this really strong side, very experienced, um, you know, from, you know, they're very solid on defense uh, and they got people that can put the ball in the net. So it's not, it's not by any stretch of the imagination left like a pushover situation uh, by any stretch, particularly away from uh, away uh, to Everton uh, is not easy either. No, no, absolutely not. And uh, we've got to be best prepared for it. Um, I think, you know, going and playing away from home is also, you know, obviously really difficult when we've played them away before. It's It's been, you know, quite difficult on occasions. As sort of the elements have been against us. So hopefully, um, you know, heading into this one, we can get a bit of, bit of luck on our side as well because I think in the past the weather sort of contributed I think we've been playing in gale force winds and the, the ball's been all over the place so if we can avoid that that'd be good <laughs> yeah that would be good definitely avoid and anything could happen weather-wise apparently so uh we'll see but score prediction for Everton Everton oh flip um <laughs> do you know I've been really happy uh, with sort of not the clean sheets kind of thing, but uh-huh. Everton, you know, set pieces, they're quite uh, quite clinical. Um, I'm going to go for a, a 3-1, I think, for, for City. Uh, you, stole, you stole my thunder. I was going to go for 3-1 as well, I think. Um, no way! I was going to go for 3-1 <laughs> as well. I, I, I went 3-1. Uh, I was about to go maybe 2-0, but I think Everton is going to score. Um, I think they're too strong not to. Yeah, I do. Um, and um, mm-hmm. I would be, I actually, you know, when I think about it, I actually would be very pleasantly surprised if I were a City fan and saw another clean sheet against Everton. Because they are that strong of a uh, side. If we I can think- get I think that's going to yeah. would say a lot about where things are as far as the solidity, the solidity of the defense. Uh, I do, but I do think Everton is strong enough that they're going to at least get one through. Um, but if, he, if City were to get a clean sheet, I think that would send a bit of a signal to say mm, we're not going to concede these these goals that we like we used to at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think at the minute, like defensively as well we're, we're really sound and just on that you know Esme Morgan mm-hmm. back as the centre centre back pairing again with Steph again the other night and uh, the other afternoon sorry and fantastic you know for such a young player as well and she was getting really stuck in you know she was um, you know making some crucial tackles and, and, and it was great to see a young player playing with you know such confidence as well and, and really wanting to get involved um, I, I I love watching her play. It's just this is it. Like at the minute for me, like all these players are showing their worth, and the minutes just aren't there. You know, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like if we had the FA Cup, maybe um, again that would be another opportunity to to see that rotation and utilize the squad depth a bit more. Um, and I think everyone's really showing their worth. And I think Gareth Taylor said something about you know, players are, are getting upset when they're being taken off and he loves it. And I suppose, yeah, you do, because it just shows that like passion and that, you know, that want for players to really play their part and get stuck in. And, and that's what you want, that hunger, that fight. Um, and uh, yeah, I think everyone's really thriving and drawing off that at the moment. And it, I, I love, you know, I love to hear about stuff like that as well, because it just shows that, you know, there's like healthy competition and, um, you know, for places and and yeah, and, and even with the young players as well, yeah, they're having their opportunities too. I mean, we've seen two big players, you know, move for loan moves just to to get that minutes. You know, right. two veterans of the the city setup, Kevin Bowsley, you know, Jules, 
and um, yeah, I, 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 obviously that's upsetting to see those players move on, you know, just to get their minutes. But it's so exciting that we're making a pathway still for for the young players too. And you know, and that's how you keep an engine going, and that's how you keep it. I mean, and then there's competition and training. You know, it's like, I mean, it, you know, I mean, Gareth has got to be having a bit of a field day. If everyone wants to be really, truly, he's got the fire to be on the pitches for as many minutes as possible. Training must be a killer because, I mean, everyone's going on and be like, look, I, I, I belong out there too. So I'm going to, I'm going to train my, my heart and everything out so I can get, you know, get in in one of these matches that's coming up. Maybe I get in the Champions League match uh, because well, there's so much depth. Yeah. Uh, and it's the training, you know, you got to put it out there in training to be able to earn your spot. You got to, and then you got to keep it, you got to keep your spot. Um, and so, so it's impressive for young players to, to not only earn the spot, but then keep the spot, you know, when they actually perform on the, on the pitch. Yeah. I just think as well, like, um, you know, like Janine Becky, Rose Laval, uh, Dal Kemper, you know, three players that obviously traveled to the she believes and, and played, you know, I mean, Janine Becky played three 90-minute games and, um, you know, she wanted to come back and she they got back on the Friday um played on the Sunday. So there wasn't much training time, you know, in terms of preparation, but they still wanted to get out there and train um, and wanted to play. And the fact that he managed to get, like I said, Dal Kemper and Rose Lavelle on for, for some minutes on Sunday, it's credit to the players and their application for, you know, coming back and even though they're fatigued and obviously dealing with jet lag and stuff like that, just showing their, you know, passion for wanting to be involved and get stuck in and, and help the squad. Yeah, and it's really excellent to see if you're a City fan, you got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> a lot to look forward to. A lot <laughs> yes. of players all in good shape right now. Hopefully injuries don't become a too big of a factor for, you know, and hopefully Kira Wash can come back, uh, you know, for example, uh, and get back out there. So we got to close this thing out. This thing is going on, uh, you know, uh, gone, gone on longer than I expected we would, but great conversation, great takes, great, brilliant stuff from you, Emma. Thank you so much for being on here. And, uh, you just imparting your incredible knowledge and brilliance with all of us today. It's all right. Anytime. <laughs> all right, everyone. This is going to be the end of English burning for today. For today, we are coming back tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have Josh back from the Islington Gazette. He will talk about Arsenal. Uh, for the Arsenal weekly feature. They had a victory yesterday as well. Unfortunately, they played at the very same time as this Manchester City side at nine o'clock in the morning on Atlanta time. Uh, but so, you know, I had to watch that team at game and replay. Um, but nonetheless, they had a four nil victory. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking with Josh tomorrow about the Arsenal stuff. And that will be great takes as usual. So I'm going to close this out for today. Everyone, please know that the light is out there. Let the light become part of you. Hug the light. Beat. Let the light hug you. Also acknowledge, unfortunately, that the darkness is out there, but do not ever let the darkness hug you. But if it does, if it tries, if it corners you, please reach out, get help, get assistance, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and take care of everyone. England is burning, is out for today.